Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Well, welcome everybody. Happy Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit about one of the fundamental principles of science of mind. But but to get there, I think I want to start out telling a story on myself, if you don't mind. So not so long ago, I think it was maybe three Sundays ago, my partner Daniel and I had put together a shopping list. So during the pandemic, we've been trying to limit our shopping to once a week or once every couple of weeks, just to, just to play it safe and make sure that the stores aren't as crowded. And so we'd put together a detailed shopping list and set off for church that day with my list in my pocket. And, and we were going to a store. It's funny. It's one of the chain stores in town. And the one that's closest to us is, is halfway between the church and our house. So perfect timing on the way home. And I sort of remembered the shopping trip just as I was pulling into the garage. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? It's like your mind wanders a little bit, but yet there's some part of your mind, some part of your body even, that knows how to do things and go places. And, and so it was like that day coming home from church, I was just on automatic. And I'm sure I was perfectly safe. I mean, I wasn't napping, my eyes weren't closed. So I'm sure I was watching the traffic and doing everything I needed to do. But there was that conscious part of me that wanted to go to the store that must have been doing something else because here I am driving into the garage. Well, I was curious about that, and there have been studies, of course, done on how much of our thinking is uh, intentional, how much of our thinking is repetitive, and in fact, I think a few Sundays back, I shared some statistics with you on how much of our, of our actual thought patterns are repetitive, and if you'll remember, it was 80% of the thoughts that run through our head We've had them before. We're actually just replaying something that we thought of before. And so I thought for the talk today, I, I was curious to see if there was more information along these lines. Specifically, how much of our brain activity is conscious versus how much of our brain activity is unconscious. Kind of the autopilot part of us, the part that got me home safe into the driveway, even though I had intended to go shopping. Well, they indeed have done some research. And in fact, there's some recent research that shows, now, if you're not seated, uh, please sit. Guess how much of our brain activity is unconscious? 95% of our brain activity is unconscious. Only 5% of the thoughts and ideas and things swirling through our head. And I know you're, some of you are like, this can't be true, right? I'm thinking all the time. I'm, I'm conscious. Look at me. I'm conscious, right? I'm not unconscious. But yet the brain, you know, they've carefully mapped it out. They know what part of our thinking is conscious and unconscious. And the number is 95% 
unconscious. And, and it's interesting because the article that I read, the person writing the article, well, and the study was done at the University of California, San Francisco, a well-respected scientist. You know, I, I don't really have any doubts around the percentages, but what I thought was interesting was they also tried to put it in layperson's terms, like how does this actually work? How can we even function if only 5% of our thinking is actually conscious? And they said it's a little bit like the way companies more use to be organized with like one person at the top issuing the orders out to other people who work for her or him. And so if you think about it, the, the CEO or, or the director of, of an old firm would just say, oh, it's time to do quarterly sales. And that's about all they would do. They would just say, it's time to do the quarterly sales. We need to put things on sale. We need to do inventory. And, and then the boss, you, you know, in olden times, right, would go out golfing or something like that while the work got done. Well, that's kind of the way that our brain works. We get an idea, we have a thought, you know, I'm going to go to the grocery store, and then we delegate it out. The trouble is, so very often, the parts of our brain that we're delegating it out to have pretty specific patterns that they're used to following. They're used to taking the same route home from the church. They're used to getting up on the same side of the bed every day. They're used to certain pieces of clothing that they prefer to wear and certain foods that they like. And when we simply give that initial order of, uh, let's do this, and then we turn it over to our unconscious, we're almost always going to get a repeat because that autonomous part of us is used to the patterns that we're used to. And, and in fact, if you'll remember, this fits into what we talked about last week, the idea of being in our comfort zone, that idea of falling back on the familiar as a way of being comfortable, even in tough times. So this isn't a bad thing. Following the paths that are familiar are good, but what if some of the paths that we're on are not so good? Certainly in my silly little example, I didn't get to go shopping without a, a fair amount of effort, right? I had to retrace my steps and had to let Daniel know, well, yeah, I was in the garage for a minute, <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, no big thing, but oftentimes, right, our unconscious behavior will take us into patterns that are not which we would wish them to be. And in this season of spring, this season of newness that we're getting ready to, to celebrate coming up, we want to have new thoughts. We want to kind of emerge from our hibernation. In fact, am I the only one that felt like this year I was a bear in hibernation? For some reason, this winter, just to me, felt like everything's on hold. I'm in for the deep nap. <laughs> I'm in for the, you know, binge-watching television, eating too much. It was like a bear slinking into the cave for three months. I'm ready to ditch that. I'm ready to move out into the world. Safely, of course, don't get me wrong. But I want this spring to be full of newness. And so today I want to talk about some of the ways we can begin, how do I want to say it, sort of circumventing that autonomous feeling, that, that sense of just turning it loose to our unconscious, because we know that's apt to just bring more of the same. In fact, if you want to think about where your life has come from, the now 
is just the new yesterday. When we are unconscious, the now is built up of what we did and experienced yesterday. It's only when we become conscious that we can move into a new now. Otherwise, that 95% of the unconscious part of us is apt to fall into the old patterns, the old choices, the old decisions. And today is going to look a heck of a lot like what? Like yesterday, right? Because we've turned it over to the mechanism. We've turned it over to our past experience and our past choices. And that part of our brain that just does stuff, that just gets us home safely, is going to get us home safely the same way it did yesterday and the day before and the day before. So today, I'm going to talk about Pema Chodron's idea from Welcoming the Unwelcome. This is the book that we're using this month. I want to talk about some of her wonderful ideas of how we can circumvent that automatic behavior, how we can not just have today be a reflection of yesterday, but how we can begin choosing anew, how we can begin making decisions based on what we're choosing really consciously to experience rather than falling back on the past. And I think the best place to start, of course, is one of my terrible jokes. So Jack dies and ends up in an orientation class for the afterlife. Now, it's not quite he expected, and he's frankly a little shocked by the fact that his orientation leader has a very red complexion and little horns poking through his black hair. Could this be hell? Could this be the devil? Well, his orientation leader explains that each person will start out with their own house and that a truck comes by every day for food in case they don't want to do their own cooking. He tells everybody about library access, entertainment, communications. He generally gives a wonderful impression of the afterlife. Then everybody gets on a bus to drive through the neighborhood. Now let me know if you have any questions, Jack, says the orientation leader as he drops Jack off at his brand new home. Well, Jack loves the new house, but he does wonder a bit at the high wall in the backyard. There's an odd red glow above the wall, and to satisfy his curiosity one afternoon, he gets a ladder from the garage to take a peek. Well, to his horror, he sees red flames everywhere, and the eternally damned pleading for help, pleading for salvation. Jack rushes back inside and calls his orientation leader, Oh, don't worry about that, Jack. You're an agnostic, aren't you? That's just part of the Christian afterlife. And so Pima Chodron cautions us that so much of life is what we expect it to be. So much of what we can look forward to is through our own lens of observation, through what we have been trained to expect, through what we have begun labeling our lives. And in fact, she talks about a true spiritual principle from her tradition, and that is that the labels we give something create our experience of the thing. So in my joke, for instance, the label of hell would tend to create that experience of a hell. That experience that, in the, in the joke anyway, is that cartoon-like idea of what hell might be like. But is it that really? Is there even such a thing? Or is it our labeling of it? Is our expectation of it 
more likely to draw to us exactly what we're expecting. Now, she talks about it in terms of labeling, and I think this fits in really well with the part of our brain that goes from the conscious part of things to the unconscious part of things. And let me illustrate with my day yesterday. So several of us have decided we were going to do a little bit of yard cleanup here at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We had some storm damage and there were some limbs down. And so we were going to meet up and do that. And when I got up in the morning, one of the first things I did was I labeled the day. I said, oh, that's too bad. What a rainy day. And as soon as I labeled it that way, and I don't know why this is true, I'm an Oregonian. If I want to label rainy days as a negative thing, I'm in trouble, right? But that morning, that was where I was yesterday morning. Oh no, a rainy day. And I pictured all of the negative things that were going to happen that day, right? I pictured us at at the church with the rain pouring down and probably there wouldn't be enough volunteers because who wants to come out on a rainy day? And I figured all the the equipment that we would need getting wet. And and it just went on and on in my head. Honestly, as I swung my legs to get out of bed, because I could see the rain through the window in the bedroom, uh, you could just feel like I, I weigh twice as much as usual, right? It's just the heaviness of the day. But what a big surprise it was when I got here. First of all, it was a group of people that were just delightful. And suddenly I forgot about my label of the rainy day. And suddenly I changed the label to a day of having fun with friends. And so notice, notice I didn't have to make much of a shift, right? And in fact, from the point that I made that shift, I could turn it over to my subconscious again, to my unconscious, right? Because my unconscious knows how to have a fun day with friends. But the conscious part of me had to be willing to give up the rainy day image, had to be willing to shift gears, had had to rise up out of the unconscious part of me that would have followed through with having a bad day probably there was some rain involved there there was at least initial look that this might take longer than what we enjoyed and so on all the elements were there that i could have unconsciously followed through with that negative trend of thinking i gotta tell you though it was a wonderful few hours and it felt like an afternoon with friends and it was that shift that new label that I consciously put on it that made all the difference. I want to ask you, have you noticed that the labels you put on things, we tend to do it just in an instant too, right? We'll meet someone new and immediately after four or five seconds assign a label to them, don't we? Maybe they remind us of our Aunt Susan, who's overly talkative and somewhat opinionated, right? It's like, oh, you know, there's that person. You know, she's going to be hard to get along with. Or perhaps they've reorganized the the store that you go to all the time. Immediately the label of, well, it's going to be harder to find things now, right? Within three or four seconds, we come up with a label, and then we hand that label of the experience 
of that experience that we think is most likely to happen, we hand it over to our minions, right? <laughs> is everyone familiar with the movie with the minions in it? It's like we're handing over our idea of the bad day or the complicated store or the negative person. We hand that over then to our unconscious. And what does it do? It makes it happen for us. We do become confused in the store. We do seek out all the negative comments that this new person is, and therefore we see them as negative. We, we follow along the path of whatever label we have given to that situation, to that person, to that happening. We've turned it over to our unconscious, and they just sail away with it. And you know, the, the kind of uh, insidious part of this too is that it reinforces that label. When we seek out that person in the negative way and observe very carefully the negative things that they do, it actually reinforces that gut reaction of negativity. They may not necessarily be a negative person at all. They may have just offered up a, a couple negative observations on that particular day when you meant them. But here you've assigned the label. You're not even going to notice the positive things that they say and do. So not only have you perhaps discounted a person, maybe you've written off a day that could have been wonderful, uh, you know, you've embarked upon this course of less than, not only is that uh, unfortunate, but you've also reinforced that pattern. So you're even quicker next time to make the label, to, to create the path of, of less than or negativity. Okay, so how do we get past this? Well, the easiest thing, of course, is to change the label. And that was what I did yesterday. And, and I have to say, it, it was only done half consciously. When I showed up and saw the beaming smiles of a couple people there, it suddenly occurred to me in my conscious mind, wait a minute. I'm an Oregonian. Who cares about the rain? Here's a fun group of people. They look happy. This is going to be fun. And with that mental shift, suddenly it went from a rainy day to a day with friends. It went from a source of potential negativity that I certainly could have found the elements to support that. Instead, it went to me really getting to meet some new people, enjoying some people that I already know, figuring out how we could work together more effectively, telling stories on each other and ourselves. It was quite delightful. A very subtle shift. So my suggestion is, when you notice that things are not going as well as you would like, think about the labeling. Could you simply label it in a more positive way? Instead of labeling it the rainy day, just start out by, by thinking of it as an open-ended day, a, a day where anything could happen. The other secret, though, that Pima Chodron brings up in the book is, and here's the gusto, I would say, from today's lesson, why label things ahead of time at all? The present does not need to be bound in any way 
from what has gone before. In fact, that's one of the key principles of the science of mind. It, it comes from Thomas Troward, and the idea is principle is not bound by precedent. What has gone before those old tapes, those old patterns that have been developed by our unconscious, they're good and they're fine. We don't have to replay them at all, neither the good ones nor the bad ones, right? We can simply experience today. Yes, it is raining right now. I'll, I'll get my gloves and my raincoat. Yes, this is driving to the church right now and it's clearing off a bit. Isn't that nice? I can see the sun coming down from the clouds. Oh, now I, I am at church and look at all the cars here. I was thinking that maybe there wouldn't be enough people, but the lot is half full of cars. How sweet. It, and look at that. Do you see what I mean? In the very present moment, almost never is a tragedy going on. Now, now, of course, I do recognize bad things happen, even to good people. I totally get that. But in any given moment, in any given moment, it's extremely unlikely that something bad or negative is happening to you. So the real, I, I got to pitch this, the real antidote to this unconscious thinking or unconscious negativity or replaying tapes from the past is just letting go of the labels altogether. It's not going to be a, a rainy day or a bad day or a happy day. It's this day. <laughs> and I am free to experience joy in every moment of it. I'm free to enjoy myself as I look out the window and think, uh, I'm not out there getting wet. Uh, I'm free to enjoy getting dressed in the morning as I prepare to, to go to the center and do some yard cleanup. I'm, I'm enjoying myself on the way there, noticing the pattern of light on the trees and the, the hills on my, on my trip. I'm enjoying myself as I notice the people in the parking lot and, uh, and look forward to meeting some new friends and visiting with some old ones. Do you see, in the present moment, we can always find joy. We can always set up new patterns of enjoyment for later as well. But keep in mind that essential science of mind principle principle not bound by precedent. We do not have to repeat the past. Each day can be new, can be discrete. We can come up with new labels for it to, to head us into more enjoyment, more life, more love, more beauty. Or we can go the no label route. I don't need to put a label on this day at all. I'll just bring my greater degree of conscious thought into this moment into what's happening right now and find the beauty in it, find the joy in it, find the love in it, the connections with people, the natural beauty. It's all there when we notice it, when we're conscious of it. Well, I want to close today with some homework. You know you're always going to get a bit of homework on Sunday from me. I would like to invite you to examine some of your labels. And in particular, when you are experiencing something less than the joy you deserve, have you labeled that experience, even going into it? Have you labeled that telephone call as contentious? 
Have you labeled that experience with that certain relative as, as difficult or heated? Have you labeled your way into work thinking this is going to be a bad day or a hard day or a difficult day? Have you labeled a brand new person that you hardly know in some particular way? Are these the labels that you wish to experience? Because that's what's apt to happen. When you come up with a label, it's though you're giving, you're the CEO giving orders to your minions. Make it so. Make it be a rainy day. <laughs> Make it be a difficult decision. And so if you are labeling things, your homework assignment is to come up with better labels. This is a joyous day that has some rain in it. <laughs> right? (laughs) This is a, a new day at work, but new days bring newness. And that newness can be more productivity. It can be greater connection with people. It can be a better alignment with what you're doing at work. So take a look at the labels you put on things, and then see if you can come up with some labels that might allow you to see the world through different eyes. If we're going to hand it off, if 95% of the time we're going to hand off our ideas to the minions, let us hand off something that's more positive. Let us make it be a grand life. Well, I'm going to close with a, a quote from the book, from Pima Chodron's book, Welcoming the Unwelcome, and a prayer. She says, the more we experiment with how we label things, the easier it becomes to see through them and even use them to our advantage. We will continue, of course, to use labels to think and to communicate, but hopefully more positively and without investing them with so much serious and negativity. Trungpa Rinpoche told this story about he once was sitting in a garden with Dilgo Rinpoche, one of his most important teachers. They were just enjoying their time together in this beautiful setting under a a beautiful tree with scented blossoms, a river going by. They were hardly saying anything, simply happy to be there with each other. Then Rinpoche pointed out and said, they call that a tree. And both of them laughed and laughed and laughed, for this is a wonderful illustration of the freedom and enjoyment that await us when we stop being forced and fooled by our labels. These two enlightened teachers thought it was a riot that this complex changing phenomenon with all the leaves and barks and fragrance and sounds could be thought of simply with the label tree. Let us pray. There is one power, one life, one goodness, one joy. It springs forth from that one source, which is God. And what I know about God, present everywhere, we tend to overlook it. We tend to, uh, to ignore it. We tend to go unconscious with it. But that God of life, that God of joy, that God of peace, available to us always in every present moment. I know that means me, and I know it can be true for everyone. Each of us can become, first of all, more conscious of our thoughts, of our awarenesses, of our choices. And I know we can also be better at labeling things. And so I I hold up that idea of good labels, labeling for the positive, turning things over to our unconscious that are whole and pure, beautiful, joyous. 
It's who we are. It's our birthright. And so I give thanks for this. Thankful for God showing up in every moment of every day. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. What a pleasure to have you. I would point out that we're gladly accepting your donations. We're hoping to have people coming back in person soon in the next few months. But in the meantime, we really bless you and thank you for your online donations. You can make a contribution to the center at cslportland.org slash donate. And there's a variety of ways that you can make a donation. Of course, you can mail in a check. There's a our mailing address addresses on that page as well. But we also have donations online with Visa cards, with PayPal, and Tithely. So please honor us by giving a donation if you feel called to do so. I also just want to remind everybody that we do have prayer support. If things are not going well for you right now and you would like some prayer support, on our website, cslportland.org, the bottom of every single page is a link for submitting a prayer request. When you fill in a prayer request, it automatically goes out to all, all 12 of our practitioners and ministers. Truly, it's our honor to pray for you throughout the week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.